Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Dal Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. And today's podcast is really comes from a um, some industry stuff that I actually got. Uh, well, as you know, if you've been listening to these podcasts pretty much every day, we get bombarded with industry information, newsletters um, from brokers, from fund managers, from research companies, from all manner of different places that we get all this information. Now, gen- generally, Janine and I sort of breeze across a lot of it because most of it's a bit of... Um, um, a lot of fluff, if that makes sense, um, from that point of view. But sometimes they give us some really sort of good, interesting insights into how world economies are going, or world economics are going, or how well, um, how the industry, or how the big end of town, I suppose, is looking at the market. And today I was listening. I was listening. Um, I was actually going through my emails, and I found one from a, a company called Pimco. Now I've not heard of Pimco, um, but it says it was their Pimco Secular Outlook. May 2019 and basically um, they uh, they say that in early May they gathered, gathered their global team of investment professionals um, somewhere in the US and for their secular for their 38th annual secular um, forum and so they had um, people that they invited to speak consultants etc etc but basically what they came up with was um, their key or secular drivers that have potential to significantly disrupt the global economy, financial markets and investors' portfolios over the next three to five years and discussed how investors can deal with disruption. And so I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's like 16 pages long and uh, it's probably not, most of it's probably not relevant to mum and dad investors, if that makes sense, because a lot of the big end of town, they're looking at managed investments like fixed income investment bonds, uh, managed investment schemes in terms of uh, managed portfolio services or managed funds or mutual funds as they're called in the US, um, any sorts of ETFs, all of those sorts of things that somebody's a manager behind it, not necessarily a direct investment in the stock market itself. And as I've always continued to say, and I'll continue to say it I think till the day I die, is you can do better than any fund manager if you just put a little bit of time and effort into it and you will. And it's like um, now at the moment, um, I don't know whether you caught our live YouTube show last week, but I said on there, I was looking at our returns from our direct equity managed account service, which is where we manage portfolios for people and we manage direct stocks or you know shares for portfolios and a lot of self-managed super funds. And and that's one another point of conjecture. I mean, a lot of, I'm quite, we get calls from people who have um, self-managed super funds and they're saying, you know, oh, they're thinking of closing them down. About one in five people. 
um, who have a self-managed super fund have thought in the last sort of 12 months-ish about closing them down. And we're seeing a lot of financial planners telling people to get out of them and get into industry super funds for their superannuation. And seriously, I can't think of anything worse for somebody to do. It's Yes, industry funds are low fees, but they're low returns. You know, the returns we're getting are double what they are in um, industry super funds. And the thing is, is too many people are focused on cost rather than results. Um, and that's really what I was saying last week on our um, YouTube live streaming and saying, you know, you shouldn't be worried about paying one, two, three percent if you're making, you know, 15 percent. Whereas, you know, just paying 5.5% or 1% to make 5% is not really that exciting. Or 6 or 7% is not exciting. So we're far too focused on the wrong thing. We should be worried about more returns without higher risk, but just better returns. And you can get that. So back to the, the report here by, um, I forgot what their name is now, um, PIMCO Secular Outlook Report. And uh, what they're doing, talking about is, well, what's actually priced into the market now for you know, the macro markets? Um, and what are they looking at in terms of inflation and um, government policies, all of those types of things. Now, you know, we've got, they talk about trade conflicts with China, the slowdown in China. Now, China's slowed down for, has had slowed down for quite a few years since the GFC, obviously. Um, it was booming for a while there. Um, and, but it's slowly picking up. European politics, we've seen a lot of things with Brexit, uh, a lot of um, um, issues around the European economies. Uh, we're talking a bit about that. Obviously, the U.S.-China trade war is a big thing. Uh, and Ian, I did talk about that. on. Um, I actually talk about that a lot more on my market report for the U.S. that I put up on YouTube um, every Tuesday. But really looking at those, some of those things will get sorted out. And we are very much heavily moving to much more of a global economy. And I think this is where the uncertainty happens is... You know, 20, 30 years ago, we weren't a global economy and we were much more reliant on ourselves. And nowadays, it's more about people can buy stocks all around the world and invest all around the world a hell of a lot easier. But more choice doesn't mean better. And, and uh, you'll hear me continually say that. It's like watching a kid, you know, if you go to the chocolate factory or the lolly factory and people get the kids and say, well, pick a lolly. And they take hours trying to pick the lollies because there's so much choice. And more choice means more confusion um, and more, more, um, it make harder to make a decision because what people do is when they're trying to make a decision, they go, oh, well, if I choose that, what if I miss that one? And, and with the investments, it's like if I choose ABC share over XYZ share, am I going to do better with ABC or XYZ? And you put 500 of those in front of people and that's even more confusion. If I said to you, well, it's BHP or Rio, which one would you like? You're going to be able, able to make a decision pretty quickly. But when I say 500 stocks, go for your pick, then it gets a lot harder from that point of view. But really we're looking at the economic or the, the economic, the secular outlook for three to five years, as we talked about, or as PIMCO talks about in their report. And really there's a whole lot of pricing already in the markets at this point in time. And we've seen real, most global economies aren't pushing along really, really fast. Even the US economy is not pushing along that fast. You know, they've had um, you know, disappointing wages growth in June, you know, we're having the Fed saying that they're looking at dropping interest rates. Now, you don't drop interest rates unless you think the economy is slow or struggling. So I think there's a lot more of that um, happening or moving forward. Now, there's going to be lackluster, according to PIMCO, they're saying there's going to be lackluster economic growth on average with moderately, moderately, I can't say the word, moderately stronger productivity advances, roughly offsetting slow labor force growth. And that's really where I see it is modern technology is one of those drivers is 
the more technology you have in, the less jobs you have, so to speak. So whilst there's jobs created in technology, in creating more technology, you know, Australia, we're getting a lot less manufacturing jobs and it's slowly moving completely. We've seen communities decimated with no more, uh, there's no more factories or, or manufacturing in Australia because it's just getting too expensive to manufacture in Australia. So we have low inflation um, as well and we're keeping, and our interest rates are low and they will continue to stay low for, for many, many, many years or I think at least a few years we're going to still be in low interest rate environments but that's really where and you know, a lot of people are worried about things such as recessions people go oh well we're going into recession but you study recessions you'll find the stock market does really well during recessions because people are looking for value for growth and to make money and in recessions you've got low interest rates so where are your opportunities and they're in the stock market. They're not necessarily in the property market because obviously the property market is a big investment to get into it. But people can get in and out of shares quite quickly. It's very liquid and they can get better dividends from some of the companies. Now, the companies may not get spectacular growth, but some actually will. Some companies do very, very well in recessions. Um, but there are different things such as the disruptors, as I was saying, that they go through sort of five disruptors in this report, one of them being China. Now, China is much more linked to Australia. If China starts to move, then Australia will pick up. And I think that's where over the next three to five years, Australia will do a lot better because China has been you know, slowed down a hell of a lot. Although, how do you slow China down? I mean, even its slow economic growth is faster than most other developed countries around the world but uh, as China picks up it'll pull Australia with it and our market will actually go with it so I think from Australia's point of view when the trade war with the US sorts itself out it'll be quite good for Australia um, and much better for Australia in that said you know the, I think the trade war with the US is really going to go, become less in the news um, over the coming six to 12 months, I think, you know, they are talking well right now and I think it'll become less of an issue as we move forward. But it is still an issue at this point in time that will affect stock market growth around the world. So, you know, Chinese, you know, Chinese targeted efforts to, you know, they want to move up that, um, the standings in the world about being uh, with manufacturing and all sorts of stuff and being a leading economy in the world and they want to really move forward and you know you've got Europe um, and Asia and Southeast Asia and obviously Australia and, and obviously the US all mixed in in terms of economics um, you know we're obviously trading with all these different um, countries and if China's moving and it's doing well, then really the rest of the world's going to be doing well. Same with America. If America's doing well, then it will bring the rest of the world on it. Uh, but America is quite slow, whereas China's got a bigger potential for Australia. I think that's what I'm trying to say. It's our potential is a bit better because we are much more aligned with China and with our resources and all sorts of things. We trade a lot more with China than we do with the US. I think, I can't remember the US, I think it's like 7 or 9% of our trade goes to the US. Um, the other thing they talked about, or well, the second thing they talked about was populism, and it really is about governments and populist movements and parties and those sorts of things. And we're seeing that a lot more at the moment, and we're seeing um, prime ministers or governments doing what they deem as popular rather than what's right. And I remember many, many, many years ago, and it's probably about 20 years ago, I saw General Norman Schwarzkopf, uh, who was the guy with um, Desert Storm and everything else for the US, uh, leading that charge. And I remember sitting in um, Rod Laver Arena here in Melbourne, listening to him and other world leaders like Gorbachev and a few others. Um, and I was really intrigued. But uh, he actually says, you know, when you're leading something, uh, like he was leading the army, you have to, you have to do what's right 
not what's popular. So sometimes you're going to be making decisions that's it's just the right decision. And some people may not understand that, but it's the right decision for the benefit of everybody. Yes, you're going to upset people, but you make that right decision. And I don't think we've had governments like that for quite a few years. They're making decisions to satisfy them, the majority and trying to keep everybody happy. And you can't juggle everybody because, you know, if you've got 90% of the people, um, you know, being affected for to just keep 10% of the people happy. Um, and there's a whole range of issues around all of that. And I think we do need to make that hard decisions. And to some degree, the coalition with what they're talking about and what they were talking about prior to the election and now not always, that's not all popular uh, or what they would call popularists. But I think we need to go harder than that. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, is for, if a country is in debt, you need to get out of debt. You can't constantly spend more money than you actually earn. It's just not possible to continually run a country like that. Uh, and so making those to hard decisions, I think we need, I'm not sure whether the current government can do that, but I think we need to get a government that will make those hard decisions because if you're not making the hard decisions, and you're just trying to please everybody, then nobody really wins, if that makes sense. Um, but it is a really good point that they're actually bringing up. Demographics is another one they bring up um, in terms of population growth and uh, looking at economies and how they're growing. And Australia is a growing economy in terms of population. There's still more people coming in, but even then, that's in the news at the moment. You know, the environment, you know, when you're getting, uh, creating much more in terms of um Immigration and that that creates a whole set of challenges for um, the governments and people. Um, we also get things like planning for retirement, which they actually highlight in here. You've got all the baby boomers retiring, but then you've got the young people who are much more transient in their jobs. They're all in and out of work uh, quite more, and you're getting that social economics that's shifting the shifting sands there. And you know, there's a lot of baby boomers, and a lot of people nowadays didn't really plan for retirement. And they were using the pension as a retirement plan. And a pension is not a retirement plan. It's just a safety net. That's really what it is. And, and you know, hopefully, I'm going to keep pushing that out, is, is people, if you're 30 or 25 or 30 or 40, and you're, you're, you're banking on the pension being there when you retire and being able to retire on a pension, please do yourself a favor and don't think that. It's, it's a safety net. That's all. And you need to be planning for retirement. We were sitting with our accountant only the other day and he just said, you know, you know, you know started talking about Centrelink. And I said, why do I talk about Centrelink? Because I, I, I'm going to retire on more money than what Centrelink will deem is acceptable to get any sort of government pension. And I'd prefer that than dealing with Centrelink. And I know, I've, you know, talked to hundreds and hundreds of people who have spoken to Centrelink and they all hate it. So to me, it's about keep Centrelink out of your life and you'll probably be a lot happier. Um, yeah, you might pay more tax, but at the end of the day, paying more tax means you're making more money. If you're making more money, you'll have a better lifestyle. So looking at those demographics, and, you know, we've got lower interest rates at the moment. You know, we've got flat income, you know, in terms of cash rates, those sorts of stuff. So getting cash investments, and really not that smart in terms of building your wealth. You are better off in the stock market here. Technology is another disruptor that they're talking about. I mean, as they become better and cheaper, more accessible to a wider range of companies, their benefits for productivity growth are becoming increasingly visible. And we're using, as a business, we use technology now and we have less staff, you know, because we've got student management systems and systems to manage the investments and all that sort of stuff that we've developed and built, which means we have less staff. And a lot of companies are doing that because it's less cost 
And you know, I was only chatting to somebody only yesterday and, and a couple of people last week. And for businesses, costs are increasing and profit margins are being squeezed because people don't... Um, Everybody wants a discount. Everybody wants things for free. Um, and you can't run a business on that. You know, you get people on my YouTube channel. I go, hey, Dale, teach me how to do this. Well, YouTube, I don't make money out of YouTube. And how do I do YouTube videos if I don't have the equipment and the staff to put all those things together? And how do I pay them unless I'm making money somehow? So that's what I'm talking about. A lot of people thinking, you know, that technology, whilst it's fantastic, it has a negative effect on the economy and has a negative effect on wages growth and those sorts of things and that's where we're getting stagnant wages growth and have had for many many years in Australia and it's about adding value and I say that to the young people that we employ it says well what how to get a pay rise is to make yourself more valuable you make yourself more valuable you get a pay rise now uh, and to me that's the same sort of thing and we should be looking not just at a wage but we should be looking at multiple streams of income and uh, and not just working for the man, if that makes sense. And so if you're sitting there and you don't have enough money or you don't think you're going to retire, start creating other streams of incomes. Second job is one of those. And people go, I don't have a lot of time, you know, but, you know, an extra four hours a week working somewhere, stacking boxes or doing something might make you $50, $100 that you can put into, you know, in funding an investment or funding a margin loan or a personal loan to get more into investing and then it will compound over a period of a few years. You know, creating a small little business, selling things online. There's a whole range of different things that you could be doing to create multi using technology so you make more money and bringing more money from outside of the zone. And all too often now we're seeing businesses in remote areas making million dollar businesses from remote areas just using the internet to bring money into a business that's sitting, you know, two, three, four hours away from a capital city. And they can do that. And, and you can do that for yourself. And it is really, really exciting. And obviously we've got things such as uh, their the last um, point is financial market vulnerability. And uh, it goes on to say that in the past 50 years, there have been seven U.S. recessions um, as defined by the semi-official arbiter of the National Bureau of Economic Research. And, uh, and uh, it said the five prior to 2000 were driven by overheating and Fed tightening. Um, including the impact of oil prices, oil price shocks. And two recessions in 2000 and 2008 were primarily driven by the unwinding of financial market imbalances. Um, um, we must be very attentive to the risk, as, as one of their senior investment professionals um, described it. Now, to me, when you're looking at things like financial market vulnerability, this is that globalization here and looking at what can global globalization do and how does that affect our marketplace now obviously recessions uh, don't necessarily bother me too much because as i said to you with the recessions the market's still there there's still stocks going up even in the gfc there were stocks going up and people think you know just because there's a gfc that means every stock's going down no it's not there's still always opportunities to make money on the stock market as long as you understand what you're actually doing and you understand how to deal with things you know we're dealing with um, another point they make is dealing with climate change related disruptions those sorts of things but look at industries that are likely to move and 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 benefit from all sorts of different these economic um, disruptors in terms of climate change you know we're moving much more to electric cars electric vehicles what about hydrogen vehicles all sorts of different things there's technology out there that will help 
the world. But what are they and where can we divide, get value in and looking at the companies that are getting into those areas and looking at those for long-term players for our portfolio as well. So as I said, it is a really good report. As It, it is a secular outlook for 2019 or May 2019 and it was a report um, by PIMCO, P-I-M-C-O. You might want to Google it and have a good look at it because it is an interesting read. Um, should you want to read the whole 16 pages, I've just given you a very, very light overview of it, but it does show you what different areas is going on. And I think some of these high level things like this are great to look at. But I always, always, always tell people to bring things back to being simple. And what can you do? And what can you control? You can't control world economics. You can't control what politicians do as such. And, and you know, we can all voice our opinions. But at the end of the day, you've got to manage your portfolio. And to me, don't you don't really need to look at the whole world to manage a portfolio here in Australia. You only need 8 to 12 stocks, as I talk about in my book, Accelerate Your Wealth. It's your money, your choice. If you haven't got a copy, get online. Uh, get on to wealthwithin.com.au and just order your book, Accelerate Your Wealth. It'll teach you how to manage your portfolio, get in, get out, protect your funds so that you never, ever get caught in a crash. And I can absolutely positively say that if you read my book and follow what's in it, you will never get caught in a crash ever, ever, ever. And you won't worry about the market, which is, you know, a lot of people worry about the market all the time while they worry about stocks all the time and they're not sure. And the biggest thing I get from people is this, they're inconsistent and they're getting poor returns and, and more so with self-managed super funds. I see a lot of people have them, but don't really know how to invest with them. And it really does not take much to manage a good stock portfolio in a self-managed super fund, one hour a month. That's about all you're going to need if you buy my book. And, uh, You'll be able to get better returns, keep your costs low, and do very, very well for your retirement. So um, it is really worth your while doing that. But as I said, go and Google PIMCO um, and looking at, it's called Dealing with Disruption, Secular Outlook, May 2019. Hopefully this little discussion on this report um, has been something of an insight to and valuable to you. Um, I'm quite positive for the future of our market over the coming years. So, But that's it for me. Um, you've been listening to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillam here, the Chief Analyst at Wealth Within. Take care. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.